Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to the My Gastric Sleeve Podcast with your host, Nima Karazi. Nima is just a regular guy who had the gastric sleeve surgery, and this is his story. He is not a doctor. This podcast is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have medical questions, ask your doctor. Now let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the My Gastric Sleeve Podcast. I'm your host, Nima Karazi, and this is my journey. Today we're talking about the six-month update. This is episode 20. I'm very excited. I can't believe we're already 20 episodes in and we're at six months. This is crazy and so much has changed. If you do hear any sort of change in the dynamics of the sound of this particular episode, I removed the pop filter, so I preemptively apologize for the popping peas. Hopefully, I can fix that in in the edits with Levelator and with with Audacity, but we'll see. Um, By the way, Levelator and Audacity, proud sponsors of the podcast. Just kidding, but they should be. Anyway, uh, I want to go over a few things uh, with you on this episode. I want to go over kind of how we got here. I want to go over the doctor updates. I want to go over the food updates. Um, I want to talk about like the good news updates, the still struggling updates, and of course the exercise updates. So uh, I'm going to go in order, even though food is the most exciting and probably the most important aspect of uh, this episode. I'm going to start with the doctor updates because they're relatively short and kind of uh, impressive and somewhat shocking. So First of all, here's there's a couple of things you need to know. First and foremost, the a, your A1C level is what constitutes whether you're diabetic or pre-diabetic or not pre-diabetic. So if you're healthy, relatively unhealthy, or very unhealthy, that's how you know if your blood sugar is too high and you have diabetes. Now, I, uh, at my worst... Two years ago, in May of 2019, I was at a 9.7. Now, just to get you to understand, a 6.5 is diabetic. 9.7 is through the roof. The reason I even went in to urgent care at Facey was I, I was peeing so often that I would pee and then flush, wash my hands, go back to the living room, sit down, not two minutes later, and I would have to pee again immediately. And I I don't know shit about shit, but I knew that was unhealthy. I knew that much. So I went to urgent care. They tested my blood sugar. It came back 9.7. And immediately they were like, we have to get you on metformin. We have to get you on glipicide immediately, right now, starting right now. 
And so I did. I started taking these pills. I'm a good patient. I'm a good patient. So if you tell me I got to do a thing, I will do that thing for fear of, of there, you could get a bladder infection. You could pass out from having too high or too low of a blood sugar. They gave me a, a testing kit. They gave me all the strips. They gave me all the stuff I needed and the pills, two types of pills. So I started taking these pills and I started testing my blood sugar every single morning without fail. And I kept it at, I downloaded a tracker in the Apple app store and I started just checking my, my diabetes and eventually it became, um, too low. My blood sugar was way, way too low. And, uh, like it's supposed to be like anywhere between, I think like 65 and 85 in the morning fasting without having any food. And some mornings I'd wake up and it was like 40 or 35, like really super low. And I was sweating and shaking and it was scary. It was, I woke up in the middle of the night shivering and cold because my blood sugar was at like 35. And so then I had to, I had to go to the, I had to go on Amazon and get some like gel packets that were basically like sugar packets. And I had to buy some honey that I would keep, uh, in the pantry in case of an emergency and, and diabetes, uh, chewables and all this stuff. And just kind of walk around with this, these emergency packets in case I, I had really low blood sugar. And then eventually, anyway, the, the medicine was adjusted. Everything was working out and I started exercising a little bit. So right at my surgery date with taking this medicine all the time. So December of 2020. So about a year and a half after being diagnosed with like severe diabetes, um, I never had to do insulin, but I, I was taking that medicine for like a year and a half straight. Um, my A1C was 5.4, which is great. It's, it's not cured right? But it's really, really good. It's way better than 9.7. So they were like, okay, that's a really good sign and you're doing great. And then I had the surgery on December 3rd. And then on April 20th, they tested my blood sugar again and I hadn't had any medicine. Now I was still testing my blood sugar every single morning but every single morning it was below 100 and they told me my surgeon told me if your blood sugar is at 100 or above you have to take a metformin and i was like okay that's fine and i didn't take my metformin at all because i tested every day and every day it was below 100 um except literally one day it was at 100 and i waited like 10 minutes and it was at 99 and i was like okay let's just say i tested it now instead of then and so I tested it every single morning and every single morning it was below a hundred and I never took the medicine. And so April 20th, I went back and got retested for my A1C and it was at 4.9, which is below pre-diabetic. And then I spoke with my new doctor at Facey uh, last month and he looked over my numbers and my charts and everything. And he was like, congratulations, you beat diabetes you're no longer considered diabetic. You're not even considered pre-diabetic because you're not alleviating the symptoms by taking pills. You have alleviated the symptoms through surgery and better eating habits. So I'm no longer considered diabetic, which is phenomenal. It's one of the greatest things ever with regards to this because 
not having to worry about my blood sugar every single day. I'm not saying I still don't worry about it. I tested my blood sugar like three, four days ago because I felt like I was having an episode and I wasn't. My blood sugar was at like 72. I was totally fine. But I, I still have my kit on my desk. I still am able to test it every morning if I need to. I still test it about once a week or once every two weeks just to be sure. But not having to worry about that on a day-to-day basis is something that is priceless to me. And it's just great. It just feels really great to be at that level. And the weight loss, I mean, aside from the eating habits, the weight loss is the biggest thing, right? So going down to currently at 273 pounds, down from surgery date weight of 394 pounds, I've lost 121 pounds. And not only is that a lot of weight to lose, that's 31% of my surgery weight. 31%. That's almost a third of my total weight from surgery day. It's incredible. I've lost almost a third of myself. And that feels amazing to be able to say that. Like, you all know by now I'm a big numbers person. I'm a big uh, analyst. I'm going to leave that in. Uh, I'm a big analyst. I love numbers. I love looking at uh, crunching numbers, doing the math, figuring out percentages, all that stuff. I love that. Figuring out that 121 pounds is about 31% of my total weight on surgery day is life-changing. It's motivating. It's keeping me on track. And even if I have another couple weeks of of stalls and another couple weeks of, uh, you know, maybe I even gain some weight. Who knows? And that's a thing that happens. You know, you, you open up into new stages and you start eating new foods. We're going to get into that in a minute. But, you know, you start having these new foods and then boom, you, you start gaining a little bit of weight. And that's a thing that happens and it's fine. But I'm very excited about being down to 273 being down over 30%, being down over 120 pounds and not being diabetic anymore, but still being cognizant and still being aware of that and still being conscious of it and listening to my body. Not only that, my blood pressure too. Last year, around this time, my blood pressure was 140 over 90, which again, it's not bad. You should be about 120 over 80, right? But every couple of months when they would check my blood pressure, which they do every single time you go to the doctors out here in the States. I I know I have a a lot of international listeners. So let me just tell you, every time you go to the the doctors out here, the first thing they do is weigh you, then they get your blood pressure and they get your, your oxygen level and your pulse. Those are like the main things they get. And then they start talking about other stuff. So I know my blood pressure, I keep it on my phone. I have it all the time. I haven't bought myself a cuff, but slowly but surely that top number was inching up 120 then it was 122 125 130 132 136 138 and then as of last year it was 140 over 90 and it i talked to my doctor about it and i told him i said you know doc you know this top number keeps slowly rising and i know right now it doesn't look that bad but if you check the numbers it's slowly increasing. And he was like, yeah, you got to exercise more and all that stuff. Well, that was last year. 
Recently, the most recent blood pressure I took, 122 over 83. That's very healthy. And that was in the doctor's office. That was from the nurse with the machine. That's 100% accurate. So that felt great. Another another non-scale victory. I know we talked about non-scale victories before. Another non-scale victory for me is they don't have to now go get the bigger cuff. So as a big person, as a fat person, you don't get to use the normal sized cuff for your blood pressure. They need to get the extra big cuff. And that's kind of embarrassing sometimes. It's like asking for a seatbelt extender on an airplane. But the last few times they've taken my blood pressure, they didn't have to go and get the extra big cuff. They just used the large one that's in the room. And that feels good. That feels like like a victory of sorts. So that's really neat. That, so that's that's the doctor update there. Okay, cool. Food update. Now this is big. This is really big. So I've been eating, still been having my protein shakes, right? Every morning, you know, if I go for my walk, I come back. The first thing I have is my protein shake. And then because that's liquid, I stick with the liquid and I try to finish my water first thing in the morning. And then I can get into my solid foods. And my solid foods are kind of protein dense foods. So I'll have a protein bar, or for dinner, I'll have like a salad with chicken or a chicken soup or so- something with like a meat uh, included in it. Um, and then I'll snack on some fruit or whatever that's just like fun and somewhat mindless. Now, some of my snacks are getting sexier, if you will, and I'm sure you will. Uh, like currently, I'm having P3 snacks. So I don't know if y'all know what P3 snacks are. But P3 snacks are basically three different uh, types of protein. So it'll be like uh, turkey cubes and then cheese cubes and then almonds or turkey cubes or chicken cubes and cheese cubes and uh, cashews. And so these are like individually packaged uh, with like 12 to 15 grams of protein per package. They sit in your fridge. They last a relatively long time because the cheese is processed, the meat is processed, the nuts are nuts. And, you know, it's great. It's a great source of protein. It's a, a, a great quick snack. Um, not a lot of sugar, obviously, but super dense in protein. So I'll, I'm able to have some of those now. Or I'll have string cheese, which has seven grams of protein. Or I'll have a baby bell cheese, the one that's wrapped in the red wax that has five grams of protein. Or I'm able to have beef jerky now. So I'll have a Slim Jim or I'll have um, another type of like there's these like organic ones that my wife gets from uh, different websites. And those are really good. Uh, So I'll have uh, some of those. Or Jack Links has like a really good uh, beef jerky. So I'll have some of that. And I really need to get to about 80 to 90 grams of protein. Uh, so your your body needs roughly one third of your weight in pounds in grams of protein a day. So let me simplify that for you. If you weigh 300 pounds, you need about 100 grams of protein. So currently I'm about 270, right? I'm 273. So just for the sake of math, all for the sake of math, <laughs> it, sounded like an, it sounded like an Irish curse, like for like... Oh, for Christ's sake. Oh, for math's sake. Oh, for Pete's sake. I apologize to all my Irish listeners out there. I do a terrible Irish accent. But for the sake of math or for math's sake, 
if I weigh 270, a third of that is 90, right? So I need to get about 90 grams of protein daily. And so my first thing I do is I do a 30 gram protein shake. So that knocks that 30, 30 right off the bat. Boom. Now you just got 60 left. And then if I do two string cheeses and a baby bell cheese, that's 20 grams right there. So boom, we're at 50. So now we only need 40 more grams of protein. So if I do a protein bar, that's 20 grams. So then I only need 20 more grams of protein. And now I'm at dinner time. So I've had a protein shake. I had some cheese as a snack. I had um, a, a protein bar as like a lunchy kind of supplementally food-y. And then now I'm doing dinner. And dinner I do a salad with chicken or a soup with chicken. And that's another 20 grams of protein right there. Boom. There's your 90 grams. Not crazy. It's not difficult, right? You just have to really put that protein first, right? So that's kind of the the big like food update with regards to what I'm currently eating. What I've eaten now that I wasn't able to eat before, I've had a little bit more dark chocolate. I still am staying away from the milk chocolate. Uh, I'm not ready for that yet. And I'm also... Uh, Staying away from white chocolate because that is uh, just absolutely worthless to me. But dark chocolate is fine. It's not as as dense in sugar um, and it's relatively healthier for you. It's not, by no means is chocolate healthy for you, but dark chocolate is the healthier version of the chocolates you could have. Uh, I've had some breaded chicken, which is kind of like a little carby, so that's good. I had a samosa. If, if y'all don't know what a samosa is, it's an Indian food. It's basically a pastry that's filled with kind of whatever you want, but usually it's like potatoes and peas or chicken uh, or, you know, some other type of meat. Um, and I had a veg- vegetable samosa and it was wonderful. Um, and it was, it was great. It was, I, oh man, it was lovely. I had two spoons of rice pudding. Can you tell I ordered, Chi- um, I ordered Indian food, Chinese food. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the outcry? If I said rice pudding was Chinese food, my goodness. Can you tell I recently had Indian food? I had two spoons of rice pudding. I had a samosa. I ordered chicken tikka masala with no worries at all. I was like 100%. I just couldn't have the rice and I didn't have any naan. Recently, a couple nights ago, I had a chicken wrap. So I had chicken wrapped in a like a tortilla, in like a large tortilla. And of course, I only ate half of it. It took me like an hour to eat half of a chicken wrap and I saved the other half for the next night for dinner. It was amazing. And I'll tell you something else. I was looking forward to eating that second half of that chicken wrap all fucking day. All day. I was daydreaming. I was waiting. Like the it was a weekend. It was like a Sunday. And I was like, I can't wait for seven o'clock on a Sunday. Like normally you're like, please, please Sunday, stretch yourself out a little more so that I can get a little bit more out of this weekend. I was like, fuck this weekend. I want to get to that seven o'clock time so I can eat the second half of this chicken. I could have had it for lunch. I could have. I didn't. I saved it for dinner and it was worth every second. It was amazing. Oh my God. Chicken wraps, get out of here. It was fantastic. And it's just a little bit of bread. It's a little bit of carbs and it's fine. You just got to be cognizant of not overeating. And that's a victory in and of itself in that I'm not going crazy. Like I don't have half a chicken wrap and then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have six bagels and a donut. Like that's not what happens. I have a chicken wrap. I have half a chicken wrap and I go, 
that's enough. And now I'm going to have salad or now I'm going to have something else. Or I'm going to drink water. Or I'm going to have some fruit. And that's that. That's the end of that. I also had a Persian sweet sauce. I had a, um, the, we have a, um, a Persian stew called Fesenjun, which is made with uh, dates, I believe. Um, and uh, I, I could be wrong. Plums. I think it's made with plums. I don't really know. So don't quote me on that. But, uh, but it's sweet. Um, and it's got like a red meat in it. And I, I usually like it. I only like a very little amount of it. But I, I hadn't had anything sweet in a very long time. And this was like sweet, but it was naturally sweet. There's no sugar in Fessenjun. It's just naturally sweetened with the ingredients of the fruit that's put in there. And it was great. It was wonderful. I, I really enjoyed it. It was well made, obviously. Shout out to Ati June for making a wonderful Fessenjun. But... Um, or maybe it wasn't even Atijun. Maybe it was uh, Eshikhanum or Cash. I don't remember who made it. But shout out to whoever made Fesenjun. Shout out to you Fesenjun lovers out there. And for those of you that don't know what it is, treat yourself to a Persian food night and have some Fesenjun. Try it out. And if you don't like it, let me know. And if you do like it, let me know twice. You know what I mean? Hit me up on Instagram and let me know all about it. Okay. This episode's getting a little bit long. We gotta we gotta kind of power through this here. So the next few things are uh, some really cool, like kind of good news and exercise updates that I want to get to, and then I want to talk about the things that I'm still struggling with. So here's some good news. I donated a bunch of my clothes. I found this amazing place called Hope of the Valley out here, local to me in Santa Clarita. We're in the valley. Hope of the Valley does a lot of great work with the homeless in the neighborhood. And what they do is when you donate clothes to them, they offer the clothes first to the homeless shelters nearby. And they say, y'all can have whatever clothes you want. Whatever clothes the homeless shelters decide not to keep, Hope of the Valley goes and sells it in their thrift stores. And then with that money, they create opportunities for homeless people. So one of the things they do is they build mini homes for them and they put like bunk beds in there so then they have like a safe place to stay and sleep and they build like community showers for them and they have like a location they can be at and they do food pantries they do a lot of cool stuff so they're they're a really great company i i definitely i definitely love hope of the valley so uh they're not a sponsor but they they don't need to be they're just dope and and they do dope shit um so i donated a bunch of my 6xl 5xl and even 4xl clothes uh, there. So that was really cool to be able to get rid of a bunch of that stuff. Then my wife and I went to Costco and I bought two pairs of Eddie Bauer shorts, extra large. I couldn't try them on because there's no dressing rooms at Costco. So I had to bring them home and just hope that they fit. And they fit. I fit regular clothes from Costco. And that was amazing. And then I realized I donated my swim trunks accidentally and I needed to go buy swim trunks and I was like oh man I don't want to go to the big guy store and have to pay all this extra money because they charge you like twice what a normal swim trunk costs I went to TJ Maxx and I bought two pairs of swim trunks and they both fit and I couldn't try them on in the store because again they don't have dressing rooms right now because of COVID but I took them home and they both fit and I even wore one the other day and I went swimming and it was great I had a wonderful time swimming in these store-bought XL swim trunks from TJ Maxx. So I'm buying 
close at regular stores. This is a huge, huge victory for me because I haven't been able to do this in years, literally years. So that felt that felt amazing. And then and then exercise wise, so you're gonna this is gonna take a minute. So I this is uh this is a good story. So follow me on this one. Hear me out. Hear me out all the way. Okay. So I needed a bike because as you know, as you well know, because I won't shut the fuck up about it, I'm doing a triathlon in August and I'm very excited. So uh Aysen, if you're listening to this, this is the story about the bike. I I went on Amazon and I bought uh, a hybrid bike with disc brakes and with Shimano shifters. Now, uh, those of you that aren't bicycle nerds, th- this next like minute or two could be a little boring for you. But basically, there's two types of shifters on a bike. When you're shifting gears, there's two types of shifters. There's grip shifters, which basically think of it like a motorcycle turning of the crank on the inside of the handle will shift your gear and i don't like that the other one is called like a a thumb shifter or a click shifter and that is something that you shift with your thumb or index finger to go up or down and that's what i like and the best company that makes those shifters is shimano so i am in love with shimano shifters and that was my only prerequisite was that i need a shimano shifter and I need to have disc brakes. Those were the, the two things. So I found that on Amazon. I bought the bike. The bike came and I started going for a ride. And I, first of all, I had to assemble this bike. And it was, the tire was was rubbing against the, the thing. I had to loosen the tire a lot. And then I had to loosen the gooseneck and then tighten that. And then I had to tighten the seat. And then that was falling. And uh, the, 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 anyway, it was a mess. It was a mess. And then finally, I got the bike set up right. It took about, you know, two hours. And I go to ride around my little neighborhood area. And as I'm going to ride, it just doesn't feel right. It just feels off. And there's something I tell people all the time. You have to listen to your gut. If something doesn't feel right, if something feels off or feels wrong, Trust yourself, trust your instincts, trust your body and your your gut and don't do that thing. Just stop and reassess. You can always go back and do it later, but trust yourself. Listen, listen to your gut. Your gut is processing faster than your brain can comprehend and that's that's what it is. And so I was trying to do this and I was trying to figure it all out. And it wasn't working for me. And finally, I was like, you know, I'm just going to go for like a real ride. And I'm going to see what this is like. And I stood up to start pumping and the chain fell off the bike. It just wasn't clicking right. And the gears were off and the chain fell off. And I almost ate shit. Like I almost fell, almost did an endo, which is like where you would go end over end is what an endo is. Like you kind of like hit your front brake super hard and then you like flip over your bicycle I almost did that and I scared the shit out of myself. And anyway, I tried to work on it. I emailed the company. They were super shitty and they were like kind of dismissive about it all. And then I emailed Amazon. Anyway, long story short, I ended up returning that bike. I went to Trek. There's a Trek store here in Santa Clara. There's two. There's one um, There's one off of Bouquet and there's one uh, off of uh, Saugus, I think. 
and I went to the one uh, on Bouquet. Well, I went to the one in Newhall, and I bought my bike there, and then I recently just took it to the one on Bouquet Canyon, and they helped me do a tune-up. But anyway, I went and bought a Trek bike. Now, again, quick nerd-out moment. As a kid, if you had one of three bikes, if you had a Giant, if you had a Cannondale, or if you had a Trek, you were like a real mountain biker. And outside of that, like you had like a Huffy and that was like, you you basically just meant you were poor, but not that poor that you had to ride like your brother's BMX. Your parents could buy you a bike, but they bought you like a $50 piece of shit Huffy White Heat, which is what I had when I was in elementary school. Thanks, mom and dad. Now, a Trek was like, you saw, like I saw one Trek as a child, like as a, like as an adolescent. Like I saw one Trek bike and I saw like two Cannondales and like a giant. And as an adult, I didn't hang out with bike people. So I never saw Treks ever again, but I saw a bunch of Cannondales with a bunch of my friends rode. Anyway, I finally was in the market. I'm, you know, blah, 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 triathlon, blah, blah, blah. So I go into the store. The guy is super helpful. Walks me through the whole thing. Go for a ride. I come back. I'm like, this is the bike for me. I got to buy this bike. I buy the bike. I upgrade the seat to a cushiony seat. I update the water uh, holder. I get a phone holder. I get a bell. I I get um, some mirrors. I soup up this bike, right? I get it all nice and pimped out, everything cool. I get a little pouch for the back or whatever. And I start riding it and it starts cranking funny. I'm like working on this bike. I'm riding it at least once a week. I'm getting out there. I'm doing all my exercises and stuff. And I just recently took it to Trek and I was like, here's the 30 day update. You guys need to fix all this stuff. And he was like, yeah, man, no problem. So shout out to Patrick at the Bouquet Canyon Trek in Santa Clarita. Thanks, man. You're dope as shit. And I can't wait to pick my bike up on Tuesday. So awesome job, Patrick. Okay. Um, So anyway, so that's my update with the bike stuff. I'm super stoked. I have about two months until... We uh, do the try, so I'm like super excited. I'm not going to fuck with the bike after that. So I'm like, this is really working out for me. And I signed up at LA Fitness, and I'm hitting the gym twice a week. I'm doing weights twice a week. So on Tuesdays, I do um, bicep and back exercises. No, sorry. On Tuesdays, I do tricep and chest exercises. And on Thursdays, I do bicep and back exercises. So a lot of pull and push, a lot of cables and machines and free weights. And I'm loving the shit out of it. I'm doing low weights. I'm doing three sets. I'm doing 15 reps. And I'm kicking my own ass. I downloaded an app. I'm a big app guy. As you all know, I'm a big numbers guy. So obviously, I'm charting all my numbers. I'm still doing my cardio on the weight days. And it feels amazing. Oh, and recently I started swimming. The pool kind of opened up in in our community. I went swimming in my grandfather's pool. I'm going to go swimming again sometime soon. So that feels really good and that feels really positive and I'm super excited about that as well. So I'm swimming. I'm working out at the gym. I'm you know upgrading my bike and getting it tuned up and I'm riding my bike at least once a week and you know I donated some clothes and all that. So these are all like really good things that I'm doing, right? And I'm still having my protein shakes, getting all my protein in, and I'm done with the diabetes, and I'm down 121 pounds, and my blood pressure is leveling off, and everything's like super healthy and looking good and super positive, and yay, 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 right? Cool. 
Well, as you know, this podcast is all about my journey. And it's not just the good stuff, man. We, we got to talk about the shit. We got to talk about the shit. And this is the shit right now. I'm still struggling with four major malfunctions in my in my opinion, right? So I'm still having an issue managing my food quantity. Just last night, I sat down and I finished a jar of peanut butter. Now there was maybe, maybe a fifth of that jar left, but still that is a lot. So I may have had like seven tablespoons, eight tablespoons of peanut butter. That's a lot, man. That's a lot of peanut butter in one sitting. And it's bullshit. It's relatively healthy peanut butter. It's not that garbage, skippy jiff bullshit. Not a sponsor of this podcast, right? But it also wasn't like Laura Scudder's like where the ingredients were like peanuts and salt. This was like, you know, a relatively natural, healthy uh, peanut butter. But it had a little sugar, had a little palm oil, sorry, orangutans. And I couldn't stop eating it. I just sat there and mindlessly ate in front of the TV, which is my second struggle. So food quantity for sure. Mindless eating in front of the TV for sure. Wanting versus listening to my body the third factor in that same situation, which is my body's like, I'm not hungry, man. I'm fine. And I go, but I want this. My body's like, I'm full. Listen to me. I'm full. I'm not hungry at all. And my brain goes, yeah, but I want it. I want that. I'm craving it. There's a word in Persian for crave. It's havas, H-A-V-A-S, havas. And it's like yearning. I'm yearning for this. Havas kardam. I have a craving for this. Like, it's amazing. It, it, it's exactly what I feel, right? It's a want. It's not a need. It's, it's absolutely not a need. I could probably go a day or two without eating at all and just having water or just having liquids. But I, my body is telling me I'm fine and my brain is basically telling my body, shut the fuck up, I want this. So between mindlessly eating in front of the TV, food quantity management skills failing me, wanting versus listening to my body, and then adding to that future tripping, which is a a relatively new phrase I just learned recently, which is, what I've been doing my whole life, but now they finally have a, have words to it. Future tripping is basically saying, here's what I don't want to happen, which is an argument I've had for the majority of my life with people in my life. When someone says to me, hey, let's go out to eat tonight. And I go, I'm down to go eat, but here's what I don't want to happen. That's future tripping. That's me already feeling upset or concerned or feeling despair or sadness or whatever about a future incident that hasn't happened yet or saying like oh I want to have a conversation with my boss about this but I'm going to future trip my balls off I'm going to be like oh man I'm going to say this and then she's going to say that I'm going to I'm going to do this and then she's going to be upset with me and she's going to respond that way and and I'm going to have this all this anxiety and nervousness and being upset and all this shit because I'm future tripping about a thing that may or may not be true. So it's kind of worthless, right? And then it causes more stress and strain and and anxiety and fear. And then that leads to 
poor food management, poor uh, uh, listening skills to your body, higher food quantity, mindless eating, television distraction, uh, you know, want over need. So it's all kind of infused into one situation that's just like, I need to be more conscientious when I eat. I need to eat consciously. And that's probably the hardest habit to break. And I'm realizing that in this moment, right now, with you, we're recognizing this together, that that is the hardest habit to break, eating unconsciously. Most of my eating has been unconscious the majority of my life. And my dad is that way. My grandfather is that way. And that's just how the majority of my family is on my dad's side anyway, is we're very unconscious eaters or subconscious eaters. And we like to eat until it's done. My uncle was telling me a story about a friend of his that drank until it was, he didn't drink until he was drunk. He didn't drink until the party was over. He drank until it was done. He did drugs until it was done. And I don't understand that with drinking or drugs. You want to drink or do drugs until you're in a place where you're appreciating that and then you move on. But with food, I ate until it was done. And that's a habit I need to break. And that's a thing about mindless eating. That's a thing about TV distraction. That's a thing about poor food management and food quantity and future tripping and depression and anxiety and want versus need. It's amazing. It's amazing. But it's a thing that I'm going to work on. And it's a thing I'm going to work on for probably my whole life. And that's okay. But it's really good to be able to say it out loud and to be cognizant of, of having to be cognizant. Like it just feels good to say it. I had a great conversation with my cousin the other day. We were discussing something and she was like, you know what? I'm really pissed off about this thing. And then she was going off and off and off about it. And she was like, you know what? I think I just needed to say that I was pissed about it. I think I just needed to talk about it. I think I just needed to, to say it out loud. And now I'm, I'm okay. And I was like, all right, that's dope. I like that. And sometimes I need that. Sometimes I need to be able to say like, hey man, you're fucking up. What are you fucking up? This. Why are you fucking that up? Remember that Remember that five whys we talked about in like the third or fourth episode? Remember back when there was like three or four episodes only? Now we're at episode 20. Remember that? And it was like, you know, why do you not have coffee? Why do you, why do you need coffee in the morning? Well, because I'm tired. Why are you tired? Because I didn't sleep well. Blah, blah, blah. Remember that? That's what this was right now. I'm mindlessly eating. Why are you mindlessly eating? Because I'm sitting in front of a TV. Why are you sitting in front of a TV? Because I'm not really paying attention to my food. Why are you not paying attention to your food? Because uh, it's been a habit of mine forever. Why is it a habit of yours from forever? Because I learned it by watching my dad. Okay. Well, now that you know where the source came from and you know the reason why you're doing it is just because you've always done it, how do you fix it? You become conscious about eating. You're conscientious about what you eat. That's all. And you're cognizant of the anxiety and the stress of future tripping and how that affects your eating habits. Amazing. So I'm definitely going to have an update on this. I know, I know I've promised a bunch of updates in the past and I haven't followed through and I apologize for that. A lot of these uh, episodes are kind of out of order, um, but 
But this one, I promise I will have an update for you. Not next episode, but for sure have an update on food management, quantity management, mindless eating, and uh, what changes I've made and, and how that's helped or if it's helped at all or if I've seen a difference at all. Anyway, that's it. That's that's the episode. That's what I have for you. Uh, so rough uh, breakdown recap is my A1C is a lot better. I'm no longer diabetic. I lost 121 pounds and 31% of my weight. I'm down to 273, which is amazing. My blood pressure is kind of back to normal. I'm eating new foods like chicken wraps and breaded chicken and a little bit of dark chocolate. I'm still having my protein shakes and, and being able to kind of expand into different snacks like P3 or string cheese or baby bell and beef jerkies and trying to get to that 90 grams of protein my body needs every day. I donated a bunch of clothes and bought some regular fitting clothes at a regular store like Costco and TJ Maxx. I bought a bike. I bought a second bike and returned the first bike. I upgraded my bike. I'm working out at the gym twice a week. I'm swimming a little bit and I'm struggling with food management, food quantity, mindless eating, television distraction, want versus need and future tripping, creating anxiety. And I will be better about that. In the meantime, thank you for listening. I hope this episode helped. If it didn't, please stay tuned and listen to another episode. I'll talk to you all later. Love you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the My Gastric Sleeve podcast. If you liked what you heard, subscribe, give us a five-star review, and share it with a friend. Please follow us on all social media at My Gastric Sleeve Podcast or let us know what you think at mygastricsleevepodcast.com. 